I want to apologize for the small font on the psalm. Perhaps you noticed it's in teeny tiny print. It comes as a picture to Jenny, who puts it in the leaflet, and she can't adjust the size of it. But I will say that if you do morning prayer, you knew all those words anyway. Because Psalm 95 is one of the three options in morning prayer, right at the very beginning, to say. And maybe you have said morning prayer, maybe you do say morning prayer, maybe you were a regular worshiper in the life of the Episcopal Church when morning prayer was the primary form of Sunday worship. And if you do know that Psalm 95, you'll know that it leaves off one verse right at the end that by habit I wanted to fill in. And the verse is this. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. We are the people of the pasture. We are the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. This is the invitation throughout all of our lessons this morning. Back at the beginning of May, on a rainy Thursday afternoon, I met my friend Don Burr from Christ Church Norwalk right out here on the side of the church. He pulled up in his SUV with a friend of his, another parishioner from Christ Church Norwalk, to unload a statue, a seated figure. It was a life-size, someone who was sitting cross-legged, covered with a piece of material, fabric, that covered up the whole figure, except for an outstretched hand. And because there was nothing else that you could really see of this person as you looked straight on, except that outstretched hand, your, hand, your eyes were drawn to the hand, as if one asking, waiting to receive the alms for the poor. And you would notice in that hand a hole. It was to remind those that came to look that in doing for one of the least of these, whosoever, you do it for me. That's the title of that piece, whosoever. Now, it got rainy later that day, and I was in the rectory kitchen and looked out the window and saw a police car pull up into one of the parking spots, and I thought, well, that's odd. That doesn't happen here very often. So I went and headed toward the front door of the rectory where I expected to meet them. And when I got there and opened the door, not having heard a doorbell ring or anything, just expecting that they would be there, I looked out and they weren't on the front porch. But I saw them walking across the grass and I said to them, Oh, are you going to look at the statue? I yelled through the downpouring rain. And they said, Oh, is that what that is? Because we got a call from somebody that there was a person seated at the end of the sidewalk in the front of St. Stephen's, and we came to check it out. That statue caught a lot of people's attention. And the artist who created that sculpture had as his foundation this parable that we heard just this morning. Whosoever you do it for, you do it for me. Conversations happened around town. And people asked about that statue. One question that was a part of it was, how long was it going to be there? I always wondered if they were glad or not glad that it was going to leave. 
Our gospel lesson today is the third in this 25th chapter of Matthew, where Jesus is instructing his disciples, instructing us, his disciples, of what it is that he values. And that it is those values on which we will be judged. Nothing else. These three parables in this 25th chapter emphasize that point again and again. Last week's gospel was about the parable of the, th of the three servants and the talents that they were each given. And I happened to preach at 8 o'clock because the bishop preached at 10. And it was fun to hear how he arrived at the exact same place I arrived on a very different route in relationship to that scripture. But we are to recognize that that parable reminds us of what it is that God values, the master values. And as his servants, we are charged to, do, to address the needs of this world as he values them. We are there to carry out the master's work. In the first parable in this 25th chapter, we have the, the ten bridesmaids who are awaiting the bridegroom. Five foolish and five wise. And as you know, the five wise remember not only to take their oil lamps, but a flask of oil so that they can replenish their lamps. And it's the foolish who forget the flask. And so when the bridegroom is announced that he is coming, the wise replenish their oil lamps and light them. And the foolish say, oh, oh no, we don't have enough oil. And the wise say, you better hurry up. You better go get some because he's coming quick. And so they head off to look for the oil. And they finally find it. When they get to the place, though, where the bridegroom is, they knock because the door is closed. When they say who it is that is outside the door, the bridegroom says, I don't know you. In these three parables, we are invited to know the values of God, our master. And it is in our taking those to heart, into our life, that we demonstrate that we know who God is. And God recognizes us by what it is we do in this world. How it is that we respond to his values in our life, in the world. Do we know God's heart? Because when we know God's heart, we live knowing God's heart in the world. And others can tell. This summer, someone called me, a man, a resident of Ridgefield, called me because he wanted to talk about a ministry that he's involved in that houses people in Danbury overnight, houses the homeless. So he wanted to come and meet with me because he's always looking for people to act as hosts, to serve as hosts in this homeless shelter overnight. And when he came to my office to talk about this, he started, he said, you know, I have to tell you, the reason I called was because you had that statue out at the front of your, of your church. And I thought, they get this. How is it that we know the heart of God and in our actions make known the heart of God so that God knows us because we know God? Last week, I hope you were here. I know a lot of you were. Because we did a collection of bags for two places in Danbury, two food banks, Interfaith AIDS and Salvation Army. And you might remember the bags just kept coming up here to the front, more and more and more bags. We, the altar party was behind the rail, taking them as fast as we could, and I was surprised to see people bring me bags the second and third time, stacking them up as quickly as we could so that we could receive more. 
There were 125 bags of food collected last Sunday. The bishop said afterward that he really wished he'd had his cell phone at the altar. <laughs> to which I said, you did? You wish that? He said, oh, I wanted to video that. <laughs> he said, what a perspective I had at the top there, a little elevated and could see the people just coming and coming with bags after bags and the altar party taking and piling, taking and piling them up. And Arno was playing the introduction to the doxology over and over and over again. So it's going to time out here in a minute. It's going to time out here in a minute. Someone, a parishioner, told me a few days later, when we were just having a conversation, he said, you know, I was not really having a good morning on Sunday morning, and I thought about not coming to church. But then I remembered I had a bag of food in the back of my car. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll go. We help one another know the heart of God. It is in our relationship with one another, as we come to know God's heart, that we help one another know God's heart and reveal that in the world for our sake and everyone's sake. Georgia, the head of the mission committee, told me on Monday morning how amazing it was to deliver that food. The astounded look at the person's face at Interfaith AIDS and Salvation Army when they received all those bags a truckload full. We get to be a part of God's amazing work as we know the heart of God. And God knows us because we respond to the world as God would want to respond to the world. Some of you know that I have a mentor, a woman who just retired from being a priest and led a congregation out in California for 20 years, all saints. The reason I picked her as my mentor, set out to do so some 12 years ago, was because I was astounded at how well she had helped her congregation know the heart of God and carry that out into the world. So I wanted her to teach me. It was fun in our staff retreat earlier this week to hear Sarah Moden Alliston, who's our associate for Youth and Family Ministries, chime in on her same recognition of the work of all saints out there in California. Because Sarah, in one of the churches she had served, actually a couple of them, she had encountered people that had moved to the East Coast from the West Coast and they had happened to attend all saints. And Sarah told me about a particular person, a woman who came to realize that she just didn't need all these sheets that she had for all the beds in her house. She said, you know, I take off dirty sheets and I put on clean ones. I only need two sets of sheets for each bed. So she got rid of all the extra sheets. And she looked at t-shirts and she said, we only really need seven t-shirts. I do laundry all the time. Why do we need more than seven t-shirts? And so she got rid of all the t-shirts extra from seven. And systematically, she went through her house and started to look at what she had that she really didn't need, which led her out into the community for places to donate it, to find out who could use what around her, what organizations were already established to make, to pass stuff along. What needs in the world were being responded to by various places in the community? Which eventually led her into a developing country where she got involved in some mission work there. When we come to know the heart of God, we live in the heart of God. And we reflect the heart of God in this world. That is who we are as the church. And that's how God knows that we know God, by our ability to reflect the heart of God in the world. 
The church is here not just to be maintained, but for mission, to participate in God's mission. That is our work. And as we do that, God notices that we know who he is. It's not always an easy task. In fact, sometimes to know the heart of God brings us into more sorrow and grief and frustration. Think of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those don't sound like good things. But when we become aware of the heart of God, we find ourselves in the heart of God. And indeed, we are blessed, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of suffering. God wants us to know God's heart and to live trusting what God will do with our awareness of God's, of God's heart, what God will do with us in the world. Which reminds me of my prayer for you. I do thank God every time I remember you. It is a gift. It's easy to thank God when I think of you to the extent that I know you, of the gifts that you bring, that God has given you, that you offer in service to God in the church. I can't help but thank God in remembering that. Because as I remember that, I see a small piece of God in God's greatness and bigness. When I see your faithfulness, I know that that is a reflection of God's faithfulness. That God longs to draw us unto himself. And even when we have not paid attention and wandered far off, God does not abandon us. But God comes and gives himself for us, dies and rises again so that we might be in relationship with God. Because God is faithful, God can't be unfaithful. So he gives his very self to draw us into the relationship that he longs for us to be in. He gives himself to make us the faithful people that he's created us to be. And when I see your desire to offer your best in the church, that reminds me of God's best that he offers to us. God offers us the best that God is, even coming among us, Emmanuel, God with us. God offers us his best so that we might know what it is to be in relationship with God. God makes God's self vulnerable to being in relationship with us so that we might be open to being in relationship with him. And in our openness, we see that we are transformed into his likeness. We become like God. We come into the heart of God, aware of what it is that God values, carrying that value out into the world. And so what begins with a reflection of thankfulness for all that God has given us ends up in a reflection of gratitude and praise for all that God is, the originator of it all, the ruler of it all. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.